Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome to this week's Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. If you go to the local library, you can find dozens of biographies about famous scientists. They can get overwhelming, especially some of the particularly dense tomes. One way to get started is to keep an eye out for one author who's been exploring a different medium to tell the stories of some of these scientists. My name is Jim Ottaviani, and I write comic books about scientists. Graphic novels, if you, if you prefer. Well, which do you prefer? Do you prefer comic book or graphic novel? I have no strong preference. It seems to come out of my mouth uh, ra- at random, one or the other. I, I don't really know. And I've very few people I, who I've met who work in comics seem to care a lot. Ottaviani has written many books about the lives of scientists from a range of disciplines. His works that have focused on physicists include Feynman, about the life of Richard Feynman, Suspended in Language, which focuses on Niels Bohr, and Fallout ties together Robert Oppenheimer, Leo Szilard, and their work on the Manhattan Project. Two-Fisted Science is a collection of short science vignettes, and Dignifying Science highlights the important contributions of many unsung women researchers. So how long have you been doing graphic novels or comic books about scientists? Uh, The first book that I published came out in 1997, so I guess that brings us to about 15 years. There was some lead time. I I didn't conceive of it, uh, write it, and get all the artists together in, you know, the space of 12 months. That's way too much to ask, especially in 1997 when the whole notion of nonfiction comics about scientists, you know, struck most people as a ridiculous notion. But uh, yeah, 15 years plus minus. Well, that's a good place to start. You know, how did you get into it? What was your first book and, and how did you conceive of it and how did it come about? The true origin of this is uh, over dinner with a friend of mine named Steve Lieber, who I had loaned Richard Rhodes' Making of the Atomic Bomb. And we were talking about the book. He had enjoyed it a great, uh, great deal. And he said, man, this, uh, this meeting between Heisenberg and Bohr in uh, occupied Copenhagen it's got tremendous dramatic potential. And we were talking about it some more over dinner, and at some point I said, so what if I wrote that up as a comic script? Would you be interested in illustrating it? And he was very confident in saying yes, because he, he knew that I'd never done anything even remotely like this before. And about a year and a half later, you know, I'm, I'm filling in blacks and erasing pencils uh, from the original art as we're about to take it to the printer. But for the longest time, I'd been thinking about... Uh, comics and science and looking at the types of books that were out there and looking at the types of books that I was reading in prose and wondering why there weren't any of these things. Because as you know, there are many scientists who lived extremely interesting lives. Uh, their discoveries are interesting. They have a, all, have a strong visual component. All this would work great, uh, but n- there were no comics about it. And why not? And you, you know, just wait and wait and wait for somebody to do it. And eventually you decide you better do it yourself because nobody else is going to step up. So how'd you get into the medium of comics? I mean, is it, um, what about the, the visual medium appeals to you? The opportunity to show as well as tell is extremely important uh, and double, doubly important in the sciences. The use of image in science has a long, long history. Scientists typically communicate with images. And so taking it that an additional step and using it as using comics as a storytelling medium to sneak a little bit of science in 
uh, seemed fairly natural. So, I, I mean, I love the form. I've been a reader for years and years and years, and much longer than I've been a writer. So, yeah, I've read, I've read comics, uh, mostly newspaper comics as a kid, not too many comic books, but I started uh, getting more serious about reading comic books and graphic novels in college and have pretty much continued on ever since. So who have you written about? What scientists have really kind of really gotten your attention, really interest you and, and you know, inspired you to write about? The two main characters that I care, have cared the most about are Niels Bohr and Richard Feynman. And Feynman was the, you know, inciting in incident uh, in me starting to read more about the history of science. Somebody some, sometime while I was at grad school at uh, Michigan loaned me Shirley You're Joking. And as with most people uh, of our ilk, uh, it kind of blew the top of my head off. And it's like, I got to find out more about this guy and continue to do that. And then, you know, a lot of things happened during World War II. So who is, who is this Bohr fellow? You know, and I knew about the Bohr atom and I knew, uh, you know, quantum theory and all that stuff. But you just start getting interested in the personal history behind some of these discoveries and some of these people. But yeah, it's, it's basically Bohr and Feynman that were the, the two that really kicked off the, the idea. Now, do you find it difficult finding a balance between you know, describing the science and the work that they've done and telling their personal histories? I don't think it's too difficult because I've always defaulted to the personal history more than the science with the hope that by providing a complete bibliography in the back of a book, that people who are interested in the science can find out more. Now, in the Bohr book and in the Feynman book, we do have sections on the science, especially in the, well, maybe this is true of Bohr as well. I'm, I'm trying to reflect on what that book was, was like. But I think more so in the Feynman book, uh, Leela and I structured things so that the science parts were almost skippable, but in the flow of the book so that the reader almost couldn't help find themselves starting to learn some of it before. It's like, oh no, this is a trick. I, I'm, I'm actually learning a little bit of quantum electrodynamics. Flip, 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 flip to the next funny anecdote. Uh, I think it was a little bit uh, more integrated into the story with, say, the Bohr book. And those are really the only two where I've made a special effort to get the physics in. All the rest of them, the science can't help but creep in around the edges, but there's very little, I don't even want to use the word pedagogy, but very, very little intent to teach. Your book, Fallout, it's about the Manhattan Project, it's about Leo Szilard and right. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, it's a very serious book and brings a lot of politics into it. Um, mm -hmm. Could you tell me a little bit about um, you know, how you came up with the book and how you kind of decided on a focus that's a little bit more about the politics of the project rather than the science specifically? Well, first of all, you don't want to try to provide an instruction manual on how to make an atomic bomb because I'm not sure you could effectively do that in, the, in a page limitation that you would have. And second of all, we know, we know they exist. And I think this is true of that book and of the T-minus book about the space race. I, maybe the main idea for both of those, and again, you're, you're making me think about these things in different ways, which is cool, uh, is to try to, for the reader, show that what seems inevitable in hindsight was not in fact inevitable for the people doing the work. 
And that's one of, the, I think, the main things about the Fallout book that you particularly mentioned is you put Szilard and Oppenheimer together because, in some sense, Szilard often presages Oppenheimer. Szilard has these ideas, uh, but he's not a big name, and so he knows he has to go and enlist big names to work on things. And the first big name that he, he approaches is Einstein. It's like, look, Albert, uh, this, this fission thing, it's got weapon potential. If I write a letter to FDR, it goes immediately to the circular file. If you write a letter to FDR, he'll pay attention. And so Einstein, as you know, says, okay, write the letter and I'll sign it. And that's basically what happens. And then Oppenheimer comes into the project soon after that. And then they sort of shift roles as in terms of maybe leadership in ideas. And Oppenheimer starts things. And then Szilard, as, as time moves on, starts to see the, uh, here's an understatement, troublesome implications of what they're doing. And as you know from the book, he comes to Oppenheimer soon before the Trinity test and says, all right, you know, now that we know that we can do this, or we're pretty sure, let's not. Because I think we won't like how it turns out if we're truly successful. And that effectively shuffles Szilard off to the side because Oppenheimer, rightly so, says, even if I wanted to stop this thing, do you think I really could stop this train? Uh, and so Szilard becomes politically sidelined. And interestingly enough, not long after, Oppenheimer starts to have his doubts about what happens. And, you know, by the mid-50s, he's, he's been sidelined as well in a much more vicious way than Szilard ever was. You have another collection of um, short science stories, uh, Two-Fisted Science. Um, how did that book come about? Because it's, it's very funny. How is it that you're able to, to kind of mix humor in there also? And, and what do you think the mixture of humor and science and biography, what, what, what does that produce? That's a really good question. And humor often comes about in the second drafts of those types of stories rather than the first, because that's when you start seeing, or at least I can often start seeing, what type of art that I'd like to have illustrated in my ideal world. And when you start seeing someone with a really Bigfoot cartoony style, it kind of asks for the story to be treated a little bit more humorously than otherwise. Get, getting back to Feynman, you know, if uh, we've all watched his various lectures and things, he is constantly making people laugh during lectures, even when it's a, you know, straight up serious topic. And there's something about that that seems to help people understand or keep people awake, for la <laughs> if nothing else. And so if you can work it in, and if the story and characters will support it, it's great to be able to do. I'm glad you found some of that stuff funny. Uh, so what's coming up next for you? What, what are some subjects you want to kind of look at in the future or, or you know, address next? So there are two stories that are in process right now that will come out, one for sure, next year, and one for pretty sure will start serializing on the web uh, within the next few months. And the serialized story is about Alan Turing, the mathematician and computer science scientist. And 
that's going to be appearing on Tor.com. The science fiction publisher was actually interested in doing this, which is really cool. And the, the one that's going to be printed first uh, in its initial incarnation is called Primates. And I think we know the subtitle, so maybe you'll, people will hear it here first, but it's going to be The Fearless Science of Jane Goodall, Diane Fossey, and Bruta Galdikas. So I'm com- com- coming back to, to that subject. And that's coming out next year, f- also from First Second, like the Feynman book is. That's all for this week's Physics Buzz podcast. You can find more of our podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and much, much more at www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.